Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with actor Nick Blood and you're in for a treat. Um, Nick's uh, zoomed in um, via the means of uh, Zoom. Uh, is that a thing? Do you zoom in on Zoom? Joined me on Zoom uh, from... Uh, where he's based in LA, and uh, and we have a lovely chat. Um, we go in on on Morrissey, uh, and and yeah, the kind of uh, some of the things that he's been saying that have you know divided a lot of opinion on him via um, Smiths fans, uh, me being one of those. Um, and uh, and then we go into uh, some talk of skateboarding, uh, and what you will get is some really really great music chat. Uh, Nick's got impeccable taste, and uh, and and he's a lovely gent, and we have a wonderful chat. Um, so a few thanks, um, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Very proud to be part of that. So uh, big love to Pip. Um, big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Thanks to you lot for continuing uh, to just be nice and uh, and listen and share and tweet and message and just, yeah, just be nice peeps. Um, I'm so lucky that I get to have these chats with so many amazing creative people and, and I get to do what I like doing, uh, which is talking about records and, and, and asking people about their lives and their creative journeys. And it's so nice that, that you listen. So thank you. Um, if it is your first time listening and you like hearing um, actors talking about uh, their life and music, then go and have a look in the archives because you can hear me talking to um, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, uh, Amanda Abington, Thomas Turgoose. Uh, the list goes on. Ali Cook. Um, go, have a, go have a rummage in the archives because you'll find some ace listens um and music wise then yeah there's there's hundreds of episodes with uh, all your favorite musicians from the Foo Fighters to Fatboy Slim to Sway to Idols um to James Lavelle uh go get stuck in because there's some ace chats to be enjoyed um you can support the podcast um uh, simply by just um, giving it a share, if you see us on the socials, giving us a follow, subscribing, or better still, join the Patreon. It costs you 79p a month, and that 79p will give you access to a further uh, few hundred episodes and radio shows. You can watch all the episodes. You can go and uh, yeah, see my um, my big melon head um, light up every time somebody mentions uh, 
a lovely record. And uh, so, yeah, all of that is at Patreon, uh, which is like a little kind of uh, social media thing if you've never been over there. You get like a little feed and I upload stuff on it and you can go through the archives and such. And like I say, it's, uh, yeah, $1 a month. So, uh, yeah, 70, 79, 78, 79p, something like that. Uh, you can find out that about that at patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track or better still uh, the easiest place to remember is the website and it's got links to all the socials patreon uh, and everything else you need to know a little bit of merch uh, and you can find out about that at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com right Onwards, please enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Nick Blood. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the Cacao Bar. And there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um... And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast. Hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you, mate. Yeah, it's a little bit early here, but I must say early. I mean, 8am isn't that early, is it? But... So where um, are you yeah. right now? I'm in LA at the moment. Nice. Working? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I was just working and now I am settling back into LA life. Kind of, I've spent the past few years, well, pre-pandemic, kind of spending half the year here, half the year in uh, London, but haven't been back since COVID kicked off. So it's it's been nice just catching up with friends, eating lots of burritos, far too many burritos um and enjoying the sunshine yeah not complaining <laughs> lovely how how did you find uh so you was in la for for the pandemic for well, for the no lockdown. no no no. i was in I, I was in london for, for that i was uh yeah um I, I got back to london about uh, it was about a couple of weeks before it really started to ramp up but it's right right at the end of february where we're all still thinking oh this is something that happens elsewhere and um and then yeah, I was in in the UK and unable to travel back to the states until until just recently. How did you find lockdown in uh, in the UK? Uh, initially, I was kind of like, so I was up in Liverpool originally when it was all kicking off, and it was just that you know obviously that gradual thing of things just amping up um, uh, day by day. And weirdly, I was actually I was listening to a podcast with uh, John Ronson, and I think I think it was Louis Theroux. It might have been interviewing him. But was asking how he coped because he's he's kind of talked a lot about his anxiety and you know issues like that, and he said, "Well, weirdly, I feel like I've been preparing for this my whole life, like preparing for disaster." And I've definitely got a bit of that in me, where like I'm prone to like anxiety and stuff. And I think I was just kind of quite like, "Right, I know the parameters here, 
like uh, it's very clear what the what the problem is and what I have to do about it. So I felt quite like um, capable to deal with it because I'm fairly organised and was just kind of like as long as I know the um, yeah, I guess like the rules. I'm like right, I can work with this. Yeah. So felt fairly kind of comfortable initially, um, obviously, and just kind of grateful. Just felt really lucky that I was in a position where I, you know, I wasn't stuck in a flat with multiple other people yeah. um and uh, my family were all safe and sound um so just felt kind of fortunate really for the most part of it and then of course after a while um it's just such an unnatural situation we me and my girlfriend were you know locked down together and we've always cooked she's american and i'm you know obviously british and we've always been used to having to spend chunks of time apart this was like obviously the opposite of it, of it. You're just like solidly with each other every second of the day, which is kind of unnatural. So of course, like everybody, you have your moments of tension and so on. But um, we, I think we dealt with it on the whole pretty well. Like we're, we're both quite like, right, if there's an issue, face it head on and stuff. And then there was definitely a point where it started to get, get to me. I kind of had a bit of a meltdown. I guess it would have been towards the end of the summer. Um, I think it was just that build up attention. You're worrying about work stuff because increasingly you're thinking how and when is, you know, or if you're, my industry is going to get back up and running again. Yeah. Um, so it kind of reached a bit of a crescendo towards the end of the, the summer. And I realized I needed to take care of myself a bit more um, and, you know, my mental health and stuff and, and health wise as well. I'm sure like, you know, like most people can relate to this, that, you know, unless you're sober, it becomes, came a little too easy to just reach for uh, the drinks cabinet earlier oh, and earlier. Mate, that, <laughs> when, when it started, it just felt, because uh, I don't know, the way I, I, I viewed it when it just first started was like, well, this, uh, you know, this is the world. This will be done in a couple of weeks mm. and like, a normal service will resume. So I'm going to go airport rules with my drinking and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and literally just, just holiday because the sun was shining yeah. in the UK. And then I think after about seven weeks of airport rules, I thought, you know what? I think I need to have a little look at this. It's getting a little yeah. bit bad. Um, but I think, you know, it was Because you had to release waters. that tension. Completely, completely. Yeah, and I definitely felt that. It was like I'd, I'd be quite organised during the week and kind of like, you know, exercise and I'd keep, you know, get outside and then keep myself kind of busy. And then at the end of the week, you just had all that tension built up and it was just like, right. <laughs> and it was like... You, Holiday time, a little yeah. party in the apartment. And, uh, Absolutely. Well, let's start the playlist. Uh, and so I'm cool. going to ask you, please, Nick, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Yeah, so I, I, funny enough, I'd made like this was the one where I had a few different options. And you, you can most have some honourable mentions, Nick. You can for a couple of right, them. Right, well, the, the, well it, was, it was mainly Manchester bands, That's I realised. So. Um, apart from The Who, I'd kind of like put down Barbara O'Reilly by The Who. And then it was like, I Am The Resurrection by Stone Roses, Blue Monday, New Order, and um, Love Will Tear Us Apart, Joy Division. So what I did was I played, I just played each of them in a row. And then the one which I've chosen is the one which just immediately made my heart sing, um, which is This Charming Man by The Smiths. Oh, glorious, 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 glorious. Yeah. I, I actually saw New Order Saturday at the O2. Oh, did you? uh, Oh, mate. They encored with uh, Atmosphere, then Transmission, and closed with Love Will Tear Us Apart. And it was fucking off the scale. Mate, (laughs) mate. 
atmosphere as well. That must yeah, have been man. amazing. Like, they just threw Blue Monday in about track six, and it was like, you don't start throwing Blue Monday around track six. That's your encore, but yeah. they've got so many. Yeah, we've got Temptation, yeah. Bizarre Love Triangle, we've got everything. It was it was blinding, mate. And, uh, it is kind of nuts when you look at their back catalogue, and then you take into consideration Joy Division as well. Yeah. You're like, how does this happen? How yeah. does this... I mean, the fact that they were able to resurrect themselves after you know what happened like it's just kind of incredible and then reinvent themselves yeah. just become this whole new thing and yeah and and arguably yeah. you know kind of have a massive a massive point in you know the the the, the, the direction of electronic music like you know yeah. absolute yeah, pioneers yeah. but we're here to talk about uh the guitar genius of johnny Marr, which is one of my favorite oh, yeah. things to do um, <laughs> <laughs> so what i want to ask first is I mean, we've had this conversation now. I'm I'm smothered in Smith's tattoos. Uh, they're they're they're, oh, yeah. they're like they're my. Uh, oh, what one you got? Oh, Is it? lovely, lovely. Hello. I've got that <laughs> one there. Oh, <laughs> kindred spirit. Um, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, the the thing that how are you dealing? Can you separate the music from the man? Because I don't know how much you're picking up on it, you know, when, mm. when you're out in LA and, and, and mm. I believe Morrissey lives in LA, doesn't he? Um, he uh, not anymore. He did for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But not anymore. Can, because I, I know people that are diehard Morrissey fans that, mm. that are really struggling to deal with some of the things that he's been saying, mm. Um, mm. which personally I find bananas because mm. he's that guy that's, He's there championing, you know, the outsiders, mm. and and yeah, you know, yeah, and he he's he's the guy you go to, and like, yeah, to see some of that stuff that he's been, you know, quoted as saying, like, I find really odd, and and it's mm. disappointing, and I just wondered how you can. I mean, I still listen to the Smiths, like, but yeah. and I can I have to distance the man from the art, and I listen to mm. the music, and I love the music. Yeah, I just wonder what your take is on 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 that. Uh, yeah, I can absolutely separate the the artist from the art, and um, I sort of don't think it's my place to judge someone's political views. Um, there's also, to some degrees, you, you, you know, you can. There is no argument to say, well, you know, on the one hand, I think it's kind of crazy that we look to pop stars to tell us how to run the world. So, why should Morrissey be any different? Mm-hmm. Um, and the music gives me so much joy and speaks to me in such a way. And that's Morrissey as well. That mm. I, I, you know, in the same way that, you know, there's suggestions Shakespeare did some sketchy things with uh, underage boys, you know, if you believe some of the theories behind the sonnets. So what are we meant to do about, um, <laughs> what are we meant to do about that? Um, it goes so on abs- through artists yeah. and all sorts of things, you know, it, 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 yeah. it, you, I, I, again, I think you have to separate. Yeah, I, and I and I also um, I because I you know like obviously I'm aware of stuff that he said, but I kind of one thing I do always admire about him, and part of the reason why um, artists like him stand out to me is because they don't care what anyone thinks, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's a rare um, quality nowadays that to have people to say, I'm not going to toe the line. I'm not going to say what everybody wants me to, to say. And, um, I don't know how many people are listening to what Morrissey says and 
going out and causing anybody grief on the streets. I don't think he's um, uh, he, he's like that. And also, I just kind of think if you sat down with him, because what the other thing is, uh, you know, I think when you hear people that know him talk about him, I don't hear anybody say a bad word about him you know, that are friends with him and so on, that are people which I respect and respect their opinion. Um, and I I think that's, I, I think he's a provocateur. So I think 100%. that there is, that, yeah, that there's an element of what he says, which is testing people's ability to dissect um, the discourse, which people don't want to do. So although there are some things which are, I think, quite hard to see another side to, there's equally things that he said, which I think when you break it down, we're so sensitive to anything that involves certain trigger words that the moment someone mentions any of those, um, we're all up in arms. And I, I, there's part of me that feels like Morrissey knows that. And it's almost like he, he says something which he knows is going to be interpreted controversially and sits back and just goes, see, I told you the media are idiots. But as far as his kind of specific political views, it's, it's not really any of my business. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, unless he's going to put out a song which is – grossly offensive to me which i wouldn't listen to then i I don't i don't i just don't see it's my place to i mean i look like if he didn't say anything about his political views you know or if no one asked him those questions none of us would know none of us would would care i mean i'd I'd, you know when you think about say what take that got involved with all the tax scandal which one of their group i believe might have even quit the band because of it but it flagged up that this was possibly not legal I, I could be completely off the mark here but that was my kind of reading of it and you go well we none of us have a problem with take that yeah <laughs> yeah but i guess because they've never courted the media the way that 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 morrissey did morrissey's always played the media and never played the game and that's mm. i guess you know that's what makes him interesting that's what you know makes him different from so many other people and he and he doesn't play the game in so far as like Nobody knows what Morris is having for breakfast. Nobody knows what mm. you know what Morrissey does. Nobody knows anything yeah, yeah. about him, and and that in the you know in the time of social media, it's fascinating that you can still have people that are so famous yet still really guarded and 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 private. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I yeah. find that fascinating. And 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 the fact that his his music holds up, it's like he doesn't need to do any of this. He can say things which might upset people, and it doesn't matter because people love his music so much. I'm curious, actually, what what because one of the things that I remember there was somebody I know who kind of ref- said something quite derogatory about Morrissey, and I was like, what are you basing that on? And they didn't really have an answer. It was just some vague kind of understanding they'd got through reading probably third, fourth hand information. So I'm curious when you ask that question. What, what is there anything specific that you're referencing? No, there was there was obviously the wearing of a, a pin badge um, that was mm. aligned to you know a kind of sort of right wing um, yeah. group. Um, and yeah, I mean the Smiths come up in this podcast a hell of a lot for obvious oh, really? reasons because they're yeah. so fucking great. Yeah, um, of course. Uh, and and yeah, and then that's generally laced with the, the sort of sentence that goes. But yeah, it's a bit strange now what we've been saying. So I just kind of wanted to get your stance on mm. it because we've also had you know michael jackson comes up a hell of a lot in this podcast mm. and 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 again it's like can you separate the man from the music you know the art yeah. from the art and and i'm always fascinated because i i can and and it's yeah. just i'm always yeah. you know i know people that um I, I was speaking to uh one of the guys in the in the kooks and and he said that he was 
at a concert in Hyde Park. I think Stevie Wonder something played a Michael Jackson record, and he said, oh, "I just went home." And I was like, "What? Like that's." How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That felt well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand what the, the point of that is. I'm like, I, what, what is it you want to do is you want to stop people listening to this artist's music so you can take away their income or is it their opportunities? Is it their quality of life because they might enjoy playing live? I, I don't quite understand what the end yeah. game of it is. Yeah. What's the point? So if so, um, I'm meant to feel ashamed for liking somebody whose politics doesn't directly align with my own or with yours. Um, okay, so that person is eradicated from Apple Music or Spotify yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. What what? I'm not quite sure what that achieves. Do you think that's suddenly going to end? You know, they're all going to be holding hands and skipping in the street together because, you, you know. You can't we, erase we, history, can you? It's there, and it, you know. And, yeah. I, but I just don't, I don't get what the end game is. I don't, I don't understand what it is it achieves. It's, it's what we're meant to teach our children. Oh, here's the, here's the list of banned people and, and why. <laughs> yeah, avoid. And that's going to make them better children. I, I, I don't get it. And it does, you know, like, it, I don't think censorship is the way forward and i think this kind of hyper moralizing is uh is it is tricky territory because to be too certain of anything i think is 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 a dangerous area to be in you know anybody that's too certain of something is is um, not in a position to learn or to um uh, not being curious about new ideas which is never a great place to be 
Yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, if the music's good, the music's good. It doesn't... It is as simple as that. And and that's yeah. kind of... That's where I yeah, it starts and finishes I can't pretend not to like it. No, like there's no point. It's, it's joyous. Enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's like when people say about... I mean, there's so many examples that were just like, if I can't pretend that I don't enjoy it, so what yeah. do you want me to do? <laughs> if Don't Stop Till You Get Enough comes on, I'm dancing. <laughs> yeah. Can't help yeah. it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take you back. Although I was... Got, go on. I'm not going to... No. No, continue. <laughs> I want to know now. Where are you going? No, no, I can't. I can't say that out loud. Carry on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Track two. The first song that you yeah. remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, Nick. Well, I had to delve deep for that because um, I was trying to think back. I mean, like that's an early, early age. I mean, it might have been a nursery rhyme or something, but my first kind of musical obsession when I, I must have been around five or six would be my guess was Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in the car, uh, um, you know, going on, you know, camping holidays, it was the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Stevie Wonder, um, Elvis Presley were kind of, the, oh, uh, Paul Simon would, would kind of be like the uh, albums on rotation. And I got obsessed with Elvis. I used to like do my hair in a quiff and like, you know, birthdays and Christmas, it was a, you know, a, a tape, of Elvis that I wanted and would sit there with my first kind of, you know, walk went on just listening constantly to Elvis. Um, and I guess the, yeah, the, the, the track that, that really kind of makes me that, that I remember having some kind of like, it's kind of also that, that when you discover like the majesty of music kind of thing, something that can, um, something unquantifiable that just speaks to your soul and makes your heart kind of like glow um and take takes you into another world and i guess with some of elvis's stuff things like you know in the ghetto and, and this track which always on my mind is that it it's like a, it's a story so it takes you into these this experience and you and you're starting to kind of uh starting to interpret an emotion that you wouldn't have at that age had the vocabulary to express but you just it was just a feeling you know so, so yeah always on my mind so looking back at that now what what would you align that emotion as being um, love, longing, um, uh, that kind of alchemy that happens when it, you meet somebody, it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be a friendship or something that magical that you feel a connect, human connection with somebody. And, um, I guess that's what a lot of music does. It, it kind of interprets that for us and, and sings it back to us in a way that makes us feel, uh, a connection to the artist, to other people, you know, to each other. Yeah. You mentioned that um, a, a list of bands that you were being exposed to on on, on route to holidays and that it's it's, it's so crazy mm. that everybody's go to for music growing up is the car. It's so <laughs> weird that yeah. everybody aligns yeah. to, to, to car journeys. But aside from that, was was there music on at home? Um, I wouldn't say l- loads. You know, there was there was. Um... My dad was a, a bit. My dad was from Liverpool and grew up in the era of the era of the Beatles. So the Beatles were like the band, but I wouldn't say it was a, a place that there was constantly music playing. It wasn't like it was a musical family. My parents didn't play music or anything like that. You know, instruments. Um, but you know, like a lot of people, like your your older brother is a big influence, and my brother's always been a kind of real, um, I guess, 
popular culture vulture kind of thing like you know just very interesting film and music and art and so on so i got a lot of my influences through him so i kind of got into the first kind of you know when i was you know as you get a bit more independent and you're searching out the music for yourself it was nirvana when i was about 11 or 12 and that would have been a i would think getting i probably got into that through like metallica and things like that that my brother was listening to but yeah i, w- I wouldn't say in our household it was it was car journeys yeah you know it's kind of a shame now because i see my nieces and nephews and they, they'll all have like a tablet stuck to the back yeah. of the headrest in front and and everything and actually makes you think when i have kids it's going to try and keep it music non-stop in the yeah. car absolutely yeah. absolutely i had this experience a little while ago um and I just find it really weird that um, I did actually have a, one of the most amazing experiences of my life, and certainly as a parent a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've tried not to kind of influence my kids on music because I, I, mm. I, my, I, I'm a sort of venue owner and I, I, you know, nightclubs and stuff. So my whole world has always been music. And, uh, and I've tried not to kind of impose my obsession and, and nerdy kind of mm. music love uh, on them. And so they've kind of just you know they're like most kids now there's not much tribalism in music so that they you know they like a bit of everything but my youngest was walking home from from college the other day and she found me she went i actually think i like big math strikes again more than this charming man and i thought fuck me my work's done like i was welling up nick i was literally like fucking hell that's it I've succeeded as a parent, <laughs> mate. Good job. I've, I've I've tried with my um nieces and nephews. I've certainly tried to influence them, but I do have g- good memories of like my nephew Charlie, like bouncing around on um trampoline with him, listening to uh, Crystal Fighters, which he loved when he was like nice. three, just bouncing around. And then also memories of them jumping around, um, listening to Frankly Mr. Shankly, lovely, um, and and Vicar in a tutu, which made them giggle. But yeah. My, my my niece Georgia, she's got back. My brother's bang into his kind of like punk and a lot of American punk, and she's got well into that. And who's she going to see? I think she's going. To, she's only like ten, and she's. I think they're taking to see Dropkick Murphys in Wait, the new yeah. year or something. Yeah, she's bang into <laughs> Dropkick Murphys. So That's yeah, he's so he's cool. done well. Yeah, and and it's really because the, the thing that that blows my mind about car journeys. I was uh, just driving along and I had, had the, the iPod on shuffle and. Uh, and, and at the time, I think my, my girls must have been, I don't know, like 15 and 12. And Aztec cameras, somewhere in my heart, come on, right? Which I think that's a perfect pop mm. record, right? Uh, and they were singing it. And I was like, how do you know this song? And they're like, I would just know it. And, like, and it just struck me that like, I've never really played that to them before. And I do think there's some weird kind of little stream that some some songs just find that like ingrain themselves into the fabric and just kind of yep. find their way. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It sounds like a I, bit... I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Where you, where you don't, you don't really know where they, where they came from yeah. or when you've, you've heard them or listened to them, you just know them. I, I, th- I find that with, a, you know, I think new order have a bit of that, but there's certain mm. tracks where people just, just know them yeah. and, and they don't know, you know, it would have been a band that my girlfriend wouldn't have known the name new order, but she knew a bunch of their songs. Yeah. You know, there's no idea where, yeah. Should they come across them? Yeah, they ju- they just kind of become ingrained in the culture, don't they? I, I, I hope it's that, and I hope like they don't just go. We're just trying to kind of keep the old man happy. We just hear that shit on TikTok <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I do like. I tell you what, the Good Morning Britain Aztec camera. 
That's you oh, know with a uh, with Jones with a uh, with Mick Jones. Yeah, Same. yeah, that's a banger. That's a, <laughs> a, a favourite of mine. Yeah, lovely stuff. Right. Well, in the formative years, uh, we are going to stay for track three, and I'm going to ask you um, for the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Nick. Yeah, that was. Uh, so when I was at school, it was like it was when Blur the Oasis was like the biggest thing, you know, on the you know top line on the news, you know, nine o'clock news and stuff. But I kind of, I wasn't really into that at that time. My journey had kind of been Nirvana and kind of lots of grunge bands, Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth and stuff. And then I'd kind of segued via Beastie Boys, um, which I think a lot of kind of white boys from the suburbs probably did, um, that then kind of opened up the door to hip hop um, and, you know, getting into kind of like things like Run DMC and so on. And then um, uh, that, I remember the Wu-Tang record coming out and listening to that for the first time and being like what is this this is so dark um and kind of being like slightly scared by it and then opening up all these other avenues into into um you know hip-hop and kind of more beat based you know stuff like ninja tune and mowax records yeah. and so on so while all this indie stuff was going on i was like nah nah i'm too cool for that and um was listening to kind of more obscure you know going through our local record shops looking through you know, these, these obscure little record label sections. Um, subsequently, later on, when I started working at that record shop, I, that's when I got in, really got into Oasis and stuff because there's a, a lad there, Jamie, who was banging into Oasis. So that kind of opened up that doorway to me. And then kind of through the more beat-based stuff, you get into more electronic and dance. And then Stone Roses had that crossover, which I absolutely love as well. But yeah, around kind of school days, it was... Um, more kind of hip hop influenced stuff, and then it was through skateboard videos with with um uh, uh discover lots of new music and you know cl- some classic music as well like old soul records and stuff that just completely were unaware of. And this track, uh, Doctor Octagon, Bear Witness, who which I think I think he was on Ninja Tune, yeah, might have been, I think so, yeah. Um, uh, but he was a he's cool Keith you know, and uh, then Dr. Doom and stuff, this guy. But yeah, that was on, was Flynn Trotman's part, I'm pretty sure, in the Blueprint video. I, I can't remember which Blue, but Blue Panic Blueprint, like British skateboard company, and they had like all the best British skaters. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was Flynn Trotman's section that he had this this track on, Dr. Octagon Bear Witness. It was just a banger. And he was, we were kind of discovering like, you know, scratch DJing and all this sort of stuff. And um like I'm trying to think who was the DJ on this. It was somebody quite big, actually. But I can't think who it was who was like the producer DJ on it. But I can't think who, the, who it was, yeah. It's it's so important. Like, and I've, I've spoke about this a, a, a few times. Um, I had the, the, the lads from Dirty Sanchez on um, a few oh, yeah. a year or so ago. And we was talking about the importance of skate videos introducing mm. you to music as much as anything mm. else. And it was like... yeah. That any time one of us would go to Camden and get our hands on like a, you know, from Camden Market, we'd get a skate video and, and we'd bring it home and it'd be like, what's this tune? What's the, I mean, we didn't, yeah. you, know, you couldn't Shazam anything then. You, you know, you was like, no. you was just waiting to the credits. You could see what it was. And it was like, oh man, what a tune. And like, and it would introduce me to so much American music that I didn't know about. Like, yeah. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, there was, the, yeah, there was like, or even things where you were kind of like, there was bands that I was aware of, but it never really like listened to that you'd be like, oh, hold on. I, I mean, like Black Sabbath, I think, 
on a zero video with Jamie Thomas, like that, that was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got into Black Sabbath. And yeah. in fact, actually Pritch- Pritchard would have been on that video with Flynn Trotman. Yeah. He was on the panic, panic team. Um, and uh, funny enough, I, I, I watched the clip of Dirty Sanchez not that long ago. And I remember having a, a night out with a couple of those guys a long time ago, which you can imagine was a complete... <laughs> like just literally craziness yeah those guys are just nuts who did you have on um i've i had dayton do this podcast but i have another podcast where um uh, it's called hardcore listing where people come on and they pick a topic and do a top five uh and this is like my little kind of studio but it's a little kind of garden bar uh, oh nice so so Pritch and Date come round and uh, and done top five of their most rock and roll moments which oh mate <laughs> I, I mean for those that haven't listened that ever want to listen to that I'll just give you uh, a, a rough a, a rough insight of what you're going to get you're going to get Pritchard getting arrested getting off of an aeroplane after urinating uh, out of his mind on um, tranquilizers, urinating on Dolph Lundgren <laughs> Let that sink in. Oh <laughs> my, my mate, my mate Willard, actually, who lives out here now, he, we were at, um, uh, I can't remember what, what it, it was, some skateboard, like, festival competition thing. And when we used to work for the skateboard company, we we were there with those guys, like, um, from the skate company we worked for. And <laughs> we, a mate of mine went, I found like a roll of gaffer tape. And was like, right, come here. And Willard sat on this chair. So grabbed him, taped him to the chair and then carried him on top of the fun box, which is like a ramp where it's like four sided, you know, ramp kind of thing in, in the mid, in the middle of this, you know, whole kind of skate setup. stuck him on top of it. And then Pritchard grabs his board, like bombs it up this, this like, uh, uh this ramp c- comes back down. And then I can't remember what he did. He did like, you know, he did a you know, kickflip or something over Willard on top of his fun box, hit him and Willard just, just taped the chair and just starts wobbling and tumbles down off it. And it's in the credits of Dirty Sanchez. It's in the oh, opening incredible. credits of Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. So in regards to, uh, to, to school, like, was it something that you enjoyed? Mm. I did actually. Yeah. Like, school and where was, and where was just, it? I mean, uh, in Aylesbury, yeah. Um, uh, school, it was just, I was like, you just get to hang out with your mates all day. Like, I never wanted to bunk off because I was like, well, you just get to, yeah, just all day hanging out with your mates. So, um, and I kind of, I found school fairly easy kind of thing. I, di- I didn't have to work too hard and um, I'd get by fine. So I just kind of had had fun with my mates all day. It was just, you know, what else, What more do you want, really? Absolutely. Um, Did you know what you wanted? So yeah, to it was just a laugh. Yeah, I knew from a really early age. Yeah, I knew I knew from very young that's what I wanted to be. It just I I didn't come from a family where anyone was an actor or knew anyone that was an actor. So it took me a while to work out how you became an actor, really. So it was it was I didn't go to drama school till I was like, I think I was probably like twenty four. Until I, until I went to drama school, which is fairly late, because um, it yeah, it just took me a while to find out that's how you you could go about it. Um, uh, but yeah, I knew from the age of like seven. Standing them formative years, then first song you were buying from a record shop, Nick. Yeah, Kiss. God gave rock and roll to you, which <laughs> yeah, which came in the picture disc, the Bill and Ted picture disc. Nice. 
and would have listened to that over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it was it was Bill and Ted that opened that up to me, <laughs> which uh, was uh, was uh, a film which I loved as a kid. Um, used to play Bill and Ted. I'm not quite sure how you play Bill and Ted, but I remember playing Bill and Ted um, and like dressing up as them for like a fancy dress party and stuff. But yeah, it was Kiss, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, which is an absolute tune. Absolutely. I think the first first kind of one when it was more like, right, going out and buying my own music when I was kind of into music rather than it being through, you know, film or whatever, would have been Offspring, Self-Esteem. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the blow was a blue vinyl, seven yeah. inch. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the first one, which was like, with my pocket money, I'm I'm going out and buying a, a record, yeah. Nice. What was yours? Um, the first record uh, I got given. See, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to try and make because I got given this. So, and it was more mm. novelty, but it was a David Bowie record. Um, but it was the Laughing Gnome, uh, which <laughs> my, my nan got for me and would have just seen it as a novelty fun record, which it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, but that was the first one I got. But the first one I bought. I'm, I'm quite old. I'm 48. So uh, the first record I bought was Video Called the Radio Star and uh nice it's a good little nice. pop tune so uh it's not yeah, yeah. it's not too cool but uh but yeah i've been <laughs> i've been quite lucky on i was saying to a guest the other day that um that's the question where you can't be cool and and i was worried mm. when i started this podcast i mean you know going back a few years the second ever guest i had on um was russell lissack from block party and uh oh. and i thought right great what's, band oh what a band and i thought right, great band What's Russell going to pick? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Because, you know, he's a super cool guy, super cool guitarist. He's going to try and... He's probably going to tell me the first record he bought was some fucking obscure John Peel sessions. And he just went, the Levi's had stilt skin. I thought, fucking get him. He's chose one of the shittest records ever. And I thought, brilliant. That set the, the bench for Mark for the rest of this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no one can have a cool one. No, I mean, yeah, Bill and Ted, picture disc of kisses. But do you know, actually, that's one of the things I loved about the questions for the songs on this, because you couldn't, you know, like, if you would just say, what's your top five songs, you're going to spend your time thinking about what what makes me look the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with this, it was specific. So it just kind of narrows it right down. Yeah. I thought it's a really good way to do it. I liked it a lot. Enjoyed doing it, actually. Wicked. Well, I'm going to take you clubbing now, Nick, and I want to know yeah. for track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. And and I should always kind of put a little addendum on this. that It doesn't necessarily mean shirt off Ibiza, Lost Summer. It yeah, can yeah, yeah. be local rock club, dirty indie dirty club. Indie club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be whatever you want yeah. it to be. Well, well, yeah, my kind of like clubbing years were, it was mainly hip hop stuff. Um, and, uh, the, so the track I picked was Missy Elliott, Work It, 
because it's it's such a tune it just gets everybody on the dance floor going for it missy Elliott's just really cool she's got and that album um is is a bit of a classic really 100%. and it just it just reminds me of like everybody kind of happy everybody dancing and um there's a friend of mine who most of the nights we went to he dj'd out who's just like this amazing such a good dj just one of those people that can get you can't quite work it out, but he just gets everybody on the dance or everybody going for it. And uh, yeah, so, so Missy Elliott. Nice. Where was clubbing? Mm. Um, I'd say mainly around kind of Bristol. I was living in, in Bristol at the time. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're kind of that age, kind of, you know, 18 to kind of early 20s, it's just you're out every opportunity, aren't you? Yeah. And uh, that was very much the case. And it would have been all, I mean, Bristol's got a big hip hop scene. Drum and bass as well would have been been a part of it, but I was never like I really enjoyed drum and bass nights and certain records and stuff. But I wasn't one of those people that you know could name every DJ and stuff. But um, there was always great gigs on people. You know, you'd get like really cool artists come out. They're not like you know just people that you just just wouldn't you know were not not headliners kind of thing. Yeah, you know, but, but there's a lot of promoters that would bring out some really cool artists to Bristol. It was always kind of on that on that map for any kind of hip hop tour that was going on. And Bristol's entrenched in that, you know, going back before the kind of, you know, you put your said some massives, like just, you know, mm. going back to the wild bunch and all the sound system culture mm. and that it was huge, wasn't it? Bristol was so yeah. pivotal in, in all of that movement. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's got, it's got a great music scene and lots of influences from, you know, being a, uh, you know, a, a, a port essentially it's kind of like right on the water you've got that influence of all kind of different cultures coming in um and yeah you know you've got like uh 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 like various different kind of like big events and festivals and stuff that go on there that are all you know that you go down to some pools during the carnival and everything you've got all those sound system, yeah. systems out still you've got some great clubs doing lots of kind of reggae and dub it's it's a it's a good place to go and a good place to go check out music and it's kind of no wonder there's, you know, like all those artists you mentioned and Ronnie Size and so on yeah. that, that come out of there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take you home now for track six and a favourite mm. song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah, so I kind of had to cheat a little bit here because okay. I don't think my home county is uh, uh, doesn't produce that many artists by the looks because I had to, like, Google, like, who who is there from... Um, uh, the locale. So it, I, I, I had considered um, uh, Silver Bullet. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 20 Seconds to Comply. Um, who was, I'm pretty sure it was from Aylesbury. And that, that song like charted and stuff. Huge. It was kind of one of the first, yeah, one of the first British hip hop uh, acts. And actually when you listen to it, it's kind of got like, it actually, I remember when I was younger being kind of aware of the silver bullet character. And then I, I, I got a copy of the seven inch record and it sounded kind of dated, but weirdly when you listen to it now, it doesn't, it sounds quite current. It's kind of got like, um, um, I don't know. It's, it's quite dirty and yeah, kind of just, it's it's a just sense of urgency about it. That record. Yeah. 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 So I kind of considered that, but it, not that that's like one of my top songs, but Ian Jury, although he's from Camden, he lived, in the area for a bit. So I kind of cheated a little bit with this one and picked Spasticus Autisticus by uh, Ian Jury. Um, yeah, yeah. And just, it, it's just so good. <laughs> and um, uh, I love 
just the kind of the punk attitude of him and that, you know, with, you know, doing a song with his, you know, his own um, disabilities or whatever. I, th- I think this track, there was something where he'd been, put, he'd been asked to be like an ambassador for, you know, like the Spastic Society or something. And he'd put forward this song and they were horrified by it. But I like the fact that he was taking ownership of this thing, which was used to abuse people and just completely taking ownership of, of these words. And um, uh, I'm, I, I would think that that gives people courage to just go, this is what I am and I don't care what you think and I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to embrace it. Just um, what what a guy. Am I right in saying that when the UK hosted the Olympics, did did somebody perform that at the opening ceremony? I think I don't they did. know, actually. I, think that, I, really? don't, I don't think it was Baxter, um, but somebody did, and I can't think who it was. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah, but uh, I had I had Baxter on the podcast, and uh, and and I, and I caught him on a day when he was really happy to talk about growing up and and what it was like. Yeah, it was. Sorry, it was. sorry, jumping. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Who performed it? That's a look. Um, a Sly and Robbie back Jamaican dance rhythm pop song. I know that's about the. I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to. I'm, I'm going to end up just sitting here reading this, and <laughs> and not, and it's just going to be silent while I yeah. try and work out who it was. Sorry, go on. I don't, I don't know. Was it, was it Mad? Did Madness perform it? Maybe Madness did because they were there for that. Anyway, yeah. It, like, what what an artist, and and it it's it's, it's really interesting. I was, you know, any time you have a, a guest on that, that kind of. Has a sort of a strong regional accent, you know. They, they mm. I, had, I had someone on yesterday saying that when they first heard like Las Vegas, it was the first time they'd heard someone, you know, singing how they spoke. And, and for mm. me as a kid, hearing Ian Jury and hearing Billy Bragg, I was like, Yeah, oh, these people talk like my mates talk, like, yeah, you know, they're yeah. not they're not putting on an accent, it is, yeah, that's that's their style. And oh man, Ian Jury, absolutely incredible. It's just so so kind of like danceable as well. A lot mm. of his his stuff you can you know it's it's real it's it's music for the dance floor to get people dancing, um, and just what a character. Well, I just love that. And again, it's, it's kind of like we said a little bit like similar to so like with Morrissey. It's just that rebel, that outsider is just unashamedly themselves. And there's something really compelling about that. 100%. And I find that a lot of lot of kind of uh, people I admire. It's that it's where they don't necessarily have to be you know, perfect. It's just that they, they're quite un, unashamedly themselves. Completely. Completely. Mm. Last track, you get to play Tastemaker DJ and, uh, mm. and introduce somebody to a song that you think they may not know that you would like them mm-hmm. to hear, please mate. Okay. So the song is by a band called friendship and it's called the graveyard shift. Um, and the reason why I picked this um, is because it's it's two of my mates um, talking about block party earlier. So Dan, who's, it's just two of them that, that you know this band called Friendships. There's Dan and Willard, and Dan actually was in a band called Red Jetson, who were kind of this sort of like um, uh, quite shoegazy kind of uh, uh, a band that supported block party um, back in the day. And um, I think they might have been label mates with them. Um, as well and we went on tour with my mates back with his band Red Jetson at the end of the tour it was the um, 
uh, we'd gone, no, we'd gone to that like, island with them where they were supporting Block Party. And it was just as Block Party blew up, and then the final gig was at Brixton Academy. And it's a, and it was for you know it was like Block Party's first like huge kind of like Amazing. gig in London, um, which is great fun. So then Dan went on to form this band, Friendship, with um, my mate Willard, and they kind of would make. It's just two of them. They'd make live loops of the music to kind of build it up. So, um, uh, and I actually managed them briefly for a while. So we kind of, uh, around the time this video was made as well, so it's a really cool video um, that two friends of ours um, uh, directed. And we just kind of got a group of mates together, um, got the most colourful clothes that we could pull out of our wardrobes and um, made this video for like 100 quid. And it's a really cool video. You can find it on YouTube. And it's just a banger of a track. Like, they were a really kind of brilliant band. There's another um, uh, track I love for theirs called Lifeguard. And, like, Steve Lamack was into them, played them on Radio um, 1 and stuff, and they got a decent amount of radio play. But they just could never get off their asses and make music quick enough. Because Partly because there was just two of them, partly because they're, you know, very sort of particular about their taste it would just take them forever and then because there was just two of them on on stage creating live loops for each song and stuff it there'd be some disasters live so it was kind of such a shame because I, I loved them as a band really felt they could have gone somewhere they were like had a bit of the foals you know early yeah. foals stuff but very kind of dancey indie music um yeah really really good track highly recommended um the shoot that we did for the um artwork was really cool as well if you see the artwork it's it's basically like this autopsy thing so we've got our friend Faye, you know all this makeup and blood and kind of prosthetics and stuff and did did this cool little photo shoot and then i got um uh have you ever heard of various production yep yeah so very i, I worked with one of the guys nat and i said to him oh do you know would you be up for remix and so he did a really cool remix of of it that's on the seven inch um yeah definitely just one of those bands which i just wish there was an album or two of theirs but there's only just a few tracks yeah well people can go and check it out because uh we put together a, a spotify playlist next to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to yeah all the tracks that we've had a, a, a natter about today um out of lockdown and and, and back to a, a sense of normality that that seems a bit more connected and, and more positive than where we was at last year um what are you looking forward to personally from the rest of this year, mate? And what's happening professionally? Freedom. <laughs> like, um, I feel very, very fortunate to be able to get out to the States. I mean, I know they've opened it up now, but I got here, you know, a few weeks ago on a visa waiver to do some work, which felt very fortunate for. And um, going to see my girlfriend's parents in Denver because I've not seen them for almost two years. And then we're going to do a vacation to Hawaii and then just just getting to i feel grateful that i can take advantage of that freedom so i'm enjoying all that got a couple of films that will be coming out next year which will be fun and then something i've been working on myself me and um ian decastica who's my best pal that i did agents of shield with we we're working on something ourselves which we're going to start pitching next year um but yeah the main thing is just seeing i can't wait till christmas be around my nieces and nephews it's the best time of year um so yeah that, that i mean i'm loving the sunshine and loving the freedom oh lovely stuff and if people want to keep up to speed about all of that stuff where's the best place to kind of keep up to speed with you mate i mean i'm not i'm not the most active online i don't have twitter or anything but i do have instagram so that's probably the best place to is uh at nick disco blood um 
that's probably the best place. Yeah. Blinding. Nick, it's or been Google. A... <laughs> Nick, it's been a proper joy talking records with you. Yeah, you, mate. you too, mate. Really uh, enjoyed it. Impeccable really taste, it. mate. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been an I'll have to come, on, to come to one of your club nights at some point. Absolutely. Whenever you want, Let mate. Me know. Whenever you want. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a skate. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, mate. Oh, dear. It, it might be. <laughs> it might be just. It might be a disaster, mate. Come back covered in bruises and injured. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks, loads. Wicked. There you go. What more do you want to talk about? Is there anything else you need to talk about in a music chat? The Smiths, skateboarding, Beastie Boys. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. We talk, We spoke New Order. Uh, yeah, the Bristol music scene. We ticked a lot of boxes and what a top gent he was. Um, I hope you had, um, well, even if you had a fraction of the fun I had uh, having that chat, then you've had a good time. Uh, so thanks ever so much for listening. As I mentioned at the beginning, go check out the back catalogue because there's uh, an abundance of um, uh, smashing listens to be enjoyed. So go and uh, go and get stuck in and you can find out about all of that um, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or better still just go and have a little look at the website off the beat and track podcast.com I'm back next time you bloody lovely lot um, in the meantime be excellent to each other much love I'll see you soon bye bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me Stu Whipping. Hey,